Welcome to this edition of When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine, a discussion of sustainable living and what that means to you and me. I am Jay Warmke. And I'm definitely Annie Warmke. You are definitely Annie Warmke. And today we're going to talk about AmeriCorps and some other stuff, or (laughs) I will get things done for America to make our people safer, smarter, and healthier, which I took off of the pledge for AmeriCorps. Wow. I've got the whole thing written down here. I, I, I intend on reciting it at some point during this. And we're joined You're scaring me. Whoa. We're joined by Bryn Sowash. I hope I said that right, Bryn. Um and yes. Bryn, you were you are the National Service Program Planner at Rural Action. And that's one of those titles that sounds like the amalgamated consolidated federation <laughs> of stuff. Right? It it doesn't it doesn't really tell me what you do. So so Bryn, tell me what you do. Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, so I came on board with Rural Action this year to work with our AmeriCorps team to look at an expansion of our national service program, specifically into climate mitigation and resilience work in this region. So I am planning for this year and then hopefully making it all happen once we sort of establish what we want that to look like. Well, what got you interested in doing this kind of thing? Because um, it doesn't seem like a common kind of a job. (laughs) Right. Um, So my, I always knew that I wanted to work in, you know, some kind of climate uh, job working on the climate crisis. I just felt that that was something I had to do. And my family relocated to the Athens area um, a couple of months ago, and it lined up really nicely with a grant that Rural Action received over the summer to do this work, to look at how we can expand our program to address the climate crisis um, and build more community resiliency in the region. So, you know, all of that sort of the the stars aligned and now I'm here and we're um, well underway with a pretty significant um, growth for our AmeriCorps programs. Can you tell us more about what AmeriCorps is? Because I feel confident that an awful lot of our listeners won't know what that is. Yeah, for sure. So the best way to describe AmeriCorps is Peace Corps for America. So most people know what the Peace Corps is. Um, AmeriCorps, uh, their motto is getting things done. Um, And AmeriCorps has a number of different ways that um, people can engage with a term of service. So People are working with, you know, partners across the country to address the challenges that are faced in the communities where they're serving. Um, And that's, you know, going to depend on, you know, obviously if they're in an urban or rural area. Our AmeriCorps program specifically focuses on um, environmental restoration, building community resilience. We have members um, helping to create more zero waste initiatives, working with businesses um, and and households to do that. Really, the sky's the limit with what AmeriCorps members can do, and it's sort of up to the organization that's engaging with them to determine what that looks like as long as it's serving and um, providing a positive benefit to the community. Bryn, when I was looking this up, I I did find the AmeriCorps pledge. I I knew it was coming. I I, I knew it. I I I promised, and I I love it. I love it. It's like being a Boy Scout. It says, um, (laughs) I will get things done for America to make our people safer, smarter, and healthier. 
I will bring Americans together to strengthen our communities. Faced with apathy, I will take action. Faced with conflict, I will seek common ground. Faced with adversity, I will persevere. I will carry this commitment with me this year and beyond. I am an AmeriCorps member. I will get things done. So I guess my question is, Bryn, how's that working out? Because uh, <laughs> it... Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I see the news and, and I, I, I'm, I'm being facetious because we see a lot of the AmeriCorps and, and they are Meaning a, here at Blue Rock at Station. Blue Rock. We do a lot with them. Yeah, yeah they are a bright spot, yeah, you know, in, really. in a, yeah. an island of hope in a sea of, uh, of Fox News. <laughs> Surrounded <you know? laughs> by reality. That's us. Yes. Right. So it's, it's noble goals. And, and I think it's great because it gives an outlet for people who really do have that kind of teenage idealism, idealism, you know, that, that kind Especially of... Especially if they like poverty, because they don't really get paid. They just get a stipend. <laughs> right. Well, well that's part <laughs> I don't of, know. I haven't figured out how <laughs> everybody <laughs> lives with that, but... Um, I think that's part of living in Athens yeah. and being in your 20s, so... <laughs> yeah. Well, might be living in this country, period, for now. Anyway, we're making light of it, but we are we are seriously impressed and love the whole concept of AmeriCorps, and we've had so many... Um, young people come here from AmeriCorps and known people that are involved in other aspects of uh, rural action working in AmeriCorps. And it's just, it's really enlightening and um, uh, just mm -hmm. feels really nice. It's, it, mm -hmm. Anyway, so what I'm interested yeah. in is how what you're about to do is so different from Jay giving us his Boy Scout pledge and, and all that. So, so how is this different? Yeah. Okay. So our AmeriCorps program, the way we engage with what's called the state national AmeriCorps program, and it's um, our core is called the Appalachian Ohio Restore Corps. So we have 31 members that serve a full year in, you know, a you know, plethora of different host sites around the region. So we might have people placed with United Plant Savers or right here at Rural Action working with our sustainable agriculture team. So what we're looking to do with this sort of climate core expansion is introduce a number of different ways that people can engage in a term of service. So we're excited about what we're kind of pursuing with this cohort model. So we've identified five kind of key focal points, and those are conservation, agriculture, specifically food, waste, um, education, reuse, and reduced waste, and then energy. And across those five areas, we've built cohorts um, that align with the seasonal need for a lot of boots on the ground that will be coming together in small groups to get this work done. Um, but what's so we're a looking cohort? At what does that mean? You know? What does that mean to be a cohort? Yeah, so a group of a group of five to seven people that are coming together to, for example, our conservation cohort will have members for a course of about a three-month term, planting trees, doing trail maintenance, doing a lot of acid mine drainage cleanup and restoration, um, doing trail maintenance, working on both public and private land to initiate and conservation projects. Um, within that cohort, those members will additionally go through training and some certifications to be able to further develop their skills so that their next step is can be a career in either a green field or something that aligns with, you know, what their interests are and the training that we've provided them. So creating that holistic, you know, experience for folks that are serving. 
So I did interrupt you. You were saying something about nine no, weeks, that's but okay. thank you for explaining. Oh yeah, so a three-month a three month term, a nine-week term, there's going to be a six-month term, and sort of depending on the specific focal point, that just shifts a little. So there's lots of options. Well, it sounds like our internship program, frankly, it's, uh, and we see the value of it. It's huge um, when you're helping people to live more resiliently and more sustainably, and they do it in community with others. It does change lives. Um, but I'm also wondering, you're using the word climate mitigation, but one of the things that is um, the government is pushing is more about climate adaptation. And what's the difference between the mitigation yes. idea and the adaptation? Yeah, that's a great question. So we want to do our part to absolutely help communities adapt and become more resilient to the changes that we are facing already. So that's that piece, at, you know, adapting and making sure that, that we are strong against that. But we also have a responsibility to do our part when it comes to mitigation. And the definition that we use for mitigation comes out of the um, Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC, and they define it as a human intervention to reduce emissions or enhance the sinks of greenhouse gases. So we're looking at a lot of the data around what is our region poised to do and what, what do we have the, the assets for to reduce our greenhouse gas emissions, but also help to sequester. So for example, we're in an agriculturally rich region. We know that implementing conservation practices on farms can help to you know, better improve the soil and the forest lands to then increase the amount of carbon that's being pulled down from the atmosphere. So that's kind of what we're looking at and finding the intersection between those two things. When are we both helping to mitigate and also then helping to build resilience? And a lot of it comes down to economics. If a farmer can implement good conservation practices, then they're helping the environment, but they're also building their resilience to be able to withstand the changes that the climate is bringing. Um, so it's really hitting, hitting both of those points. Well, being a farmer and surrounded by farmers, I have to say that first you'd have to convince them that this is an issue. I think culturally, yes, yes, this is an issue. But you talk about our region. You know, when you get out away from the university town of Athens, we're talking about a lot mm -hmm. of different types of groups that are not, um, not as politically astute or. Uh, not as progressive in how they think about climate and life in general. And I'm just wondering how you're going to go out into these areas like where we live and, and push this agenda or share this agenda. How, how is that going to work? Yeah, absolutely. So um, that's the piece of community resilience that I think is the most important. So it doesn't matter. We're not, we're not having a debate about climate change. What we're doing is making sure that every business and farmer and individual is poised to maintain or grow their economic, you know, wealth, um, rather as, as the climate changes. So, you know, we look at food waste is a big area that we're kind of examining right now. And, we see that if a farmer can implement practices that are going to help their crops make it through 
flooding and uh, adapt to these cha the changing growing season, that's going to benefit their business. At the bottom line, let's help people save money. And if we can do that through a conservation practice, then that that's great. That's our agenda. And their agenda is, you know, making money. So we can find that balance. And I'm confident that with all of this work, we'll find that. Um, home weatherization is a big one. You know, a lot of low-income families will qualify for the home weatherization assistance program, meaning the state will help pay for their home to be weatherized. This is great because it's, you know, reducing their use, their energy use, but it's also reducing their monthly bills. So at the end of the day, like more money is in their pocket and less energy is coming out of, you know, the grid from non-renewable resources. So that's another sort of, where's the Venn diagram of benefiting both their pocketbook and benefiting the environment? And if we can find that intersection, then I think we're golden. Yeah, I, I don't doubt that. But I'm just wondering, what is the model to get to that vision? You know, because having uh, spent my career as a community organizer, you're looking at a big uh, section of the state of Ohio in terms of reaching people and a diverse group of people in their thinking, their politics, yeah. their life politics. So I'm wondering what is the model that, or models, I would think more would be the case mm -hmm. of how you're going to accomplish this. I mean, what's the first step and where are you going from there? Yeah. So the, the neat thing about kind of what we're doing is that we have the groundwork laid and, you know, we've been operating these types of programs from an AmeriCorps standpoint since 2009, but rural action, I mean, really in an unofficial form has been around for nearly 40 years. Um, so with that groundwork and kind of against that backdrop, I think we begin to have community conversations about just what are you seeing happening and changing in the community. I think one of the big things that comes to mind first when we talk to people is flooding. So we talk about what that means. How is that impacting them? What can we do to change that? Um, we can talk about, you know, the changing weather. Okay, so that means that you now have more invasive species growing on your property. So we just start to talk about what we see. Um, and I think it's important to understand that, it, that the conversation, even if we are not mentioning, quote, you know, the climate crisis or the climate emergency, all of the, that is like the underlying tone. And we understand that we're having, you know, that, that these conversations are sort of circling around that, per se. Um, I think the other really big piece of this that it's that it's important to kind of share. I mean, we had there's a story that we talk about a lot here where a local says, you know, there there will never be creek or fish in that creek. There haven't been fish in that creek for decades. And, you know, over what five to ten years span, the fish came back as we started to to clean up the acid mine drainage. So just start to to show the community that we can bring the environment back, that what we're doing is impacting them positively. Um, I think that goes a long way, and it, it I think often goes further than words. Just okay. Well, action. I'm gonna I'm gonna break in here and let people uh, know that you're listening to when the biomass hits the wind turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke. Reminding you, it is indeed the end of the world as we know it. And thank God. Thank God. Okay, and we're joined today by uh, Bryn Sowash. Uh, Bryn, thank you very much. And we're talking a bit about changing the world. Um, one 
one AmeriCorps uh, member at a time. So um, I know, Bryn, Annie was pushing you there a little bit about, okay, how do you get out of that cocoon of Athens County and spread out throughout the entire state, talking to a lot of different folks? It's not the entire state. It's well, the I region, know the, but the it's region, huge. But yes. it, it's a project that needs to be throughout it's the United huge, States. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, and I was just mm -hmm. thinking, it occurred to me as you were talking, that the current um, supply chain disruption could be could be a uh, teaching moment, as they like to say, because one of the things we're constantly preaching is is local, buying local, local sourcing. And I think we're beginning to see that buying all your fertilizer from China or whatever is not necessarily the best approach. Yeah. Well, this is like, uh, let's talk about what we're seeing around us. I think everybody has felt the supply chain issues um, because I don't even think we realize where everything that our lives touch like comes from such a global uh, footprint. So yeah, I mean, you know, we talk about keeping money here in the region, like the more we can push local, the more we're supporting small entrepreneurs and small businesses. Um, a, that's great for the climate, like let's reduce the fossil fuels that are a part of every product that comes into our house, but also, you know, that's, that's benefiting your neighbor. It's benefiting your community. Um, and it, yeah, that's, that's huge. Um, I think that our world is probably in a place where we need to like really rethink where our things come from because there are certain things that, that you just cannot get um, locally anymore. And that's going to probably have to change. Well, that would be a good thing, but I, I want to go back to how you're going to bring this about. Because, She's not letting you off the hook. No, here. because, okay, so it's one thing to have community conversations, but you have 38 counties mm -hmm. in your service area for Appalachia. Yeah. And uh, for Ohio, part of Appalachia. And so I'm just wondering, you know, how, how you begin to reach all of these different areas whether it's just the 38 mm -hmm. counties, you know, okay, so you say the first thing is a conversation. Um, then what comes after mm -hmm. the conversation? I mean, well, really, so this may be too simple of an answer, but um, I mean, the conversation is ongoing. But as early as August of 2022, like our next batch of AmeriCorps members will start. And we're hoping, you know, we have 31 right now. We're hoping by next August, we'll have positions ready for almost 90 people. So we start by bringing people in and just doing the work. You know, we, across all of the programs here at Rural Action, we maintain really great relationships with both uh, private and public landowners. And that's where the work starts. So I think it's, um, you know, like I said, maybe it's too simple, but it really is like, here's a shovel and let's go. Like, let's so do it. So the people, people who are ready to do it. Right. You're going to mm -hmm. place people, American yeah. people in all these different, not all of them, but in strategically placed communities. So, so exactly. it also strikes me that you're going to have to do an awful lot of marketing because I honestly, people don't, they just mm -hmm. like, maybe they don't realize where things come from, but then they don't really care. They just yeah. want it. And so we're trying to ask people at least, I mean, I know Appalachia, Ohio, and I know that the barriers that you face are huge. 
And so I'm just asking myself, my, my sheepdog brain, <laughs> I'm a sheepdog in another life, Jay says, <laughs> right, organized. I'm always like bringing people together. But I'm just thinking, you know, how to get past, how do we focus on what we have in common enough in this environment that we're in right now, where people, everything is, you're either with me or you're against me kind of thing. Um, right. how, how do we move from that? to where you want to be with this vision, which is amazing and wonderful. And I support it 5 million percent. But I'm just wondering, you know, (laughs) how how does this go forward? Because I'm familiar with Raccoon Creek and I used to live there when Raccoon Creek Mm -hmm. had nothing in it. And, you know, it's taken a lot longer even than 10 years. So I'm just saying where, how do we make significant movement in climate adaptation and in getting people to do local instead of buying from Target or Walmart or whatever, how, how do we get there with the model that you're trying to put in place? Mm. Yeah, the model that we're really looking at is like getting out and doing the work. I think what what is more challenging is like the greater movement, you know, how do we change an individual's mind? And with our environmental education programming, I think a lot of it comes to working with youth and honestly that sort of trickle down um, education into households. It's finding common ground is, is hard. I do think that what we have going for us right off the bat is a general love for the outdoors in this region. Um, And throughout all of Appalachia that people grew up in the woods, they go in the woods, they hunt, they, you know, are foraging. Like there is a, there is a love for the outdoors and that goes a long way. So I think we use that. The other thing that I find important, so as we start to work in towns that are receptive to this, people will begin to see, wait a second, this municipality over here has all of these great things happening. Like let's, we see that that is benefiting the people there and the community is thriving. Let's explore that more. And so it's starting to see those things take root and sort of follow along. Um, so, so I, there's not I, I one straightforward answer. <laughs> yeah, I had a question mm-hmm. for you. Let's say that somebody listening to this has a business or a farm or whatever, and they're interested in somehow tapping into this reserve of energy that you guys have uh, with AmeriCorps volunteers. How would I go about doing that? Is it something that has to come through a governmental body, um, chamber of commerce? Mm-hmm. What? How, how do we make this thing happen? Let's say I'm in Muskingum County. I'm in McConnellsville. Yeah. McConnellsville and <laughs> Morgan. That's Morgan. And we've County. got this idea. Um, how do we make it happen? Right. Yeah. So you work with me. Um, what What we do leading up to? So we submit a grant for our AmeriCorps programs in early April, and leading up to that time, we are establishing relationships with what we call host sites places where our AmeriCorps members will do their work. Um, For the Climate Corps, we're also looking at just work sites. So maybe you don't want to engage with Corps members every day for three months, but you want them to come do some kind of work with you. Um, We line all of that up. And what then gets kind of written into our grant is um, sort of a, a, a generalization of these, this is the type of work people would be doing and here's how we're going to fund it yada yada 
But it's now that we're saying, okay, where could these folks be working? You know, who's going to supervise them? What are they going to do on a daily basis? How are we going to ensure project readiness? Um, and those are the conversations that we're having every day um, throughout, you know, the whole area where we, where we place members. And they don't have to be a nonprofit, just the ability to create visibility or... Yeah, so the, there's some stipulations around what, you know, the federal government will give us money for. Um, the big thing that's just easy to understand here is that the work AmeriCorps members are doing can't be for-profit, can't be benefiting a for-profit business. Now, that's, uh, that's, kind, that's kind of loose in some ways, especially as you look at like conservation. So we might go on to a private property to restore a creek there because it contributes to the, the greater watershed and therefore it's both helping, you know, a, a region environmentally, but of course the landowner is going to benefit too because now they're, you know, animals can use that water to drink, whatever it is. So, um, for the most part, we're working with nonprofits. Um, we, it, it just depends on, on what work we're looking at. You know, our trail maintenance is happening on, um, we've done a lot of work on the Wayne. We do work with Athens Conservancy. So it, it, it varies pretty broadly. Before, thanks for that. So before we run out of time, I was wondering if we could talk just a little bit about um, the coal field development uh, um, idea of a reuse corridor. I, I did try to look a little bit of that up, but I didn't really find uh, anything to broaden my knowledge about it. But it's, it, it's of interest yeah. when you use the word reuse corridor, like it implies that there's a length of, of something <laughs> that involves more than yes. one, one group or one company or whatever that are coming together in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the reuse corridor, um, and I, I'm just learning about it myself, stretches through Kentucky, Ohio, West Virginia, and Virginia. So our zero waste team engages uh, with this along with the Athens Hawking Recycling um, Group and, and others. And so the effort here is to divert things from waste. So one of our big um, projects right now is gathering used medical supplies and distributing it though, you know, distributing that to people in need. Um, we do a lot of, you know, hard to recycle material events. So um, pulling, you know, we gather thousands of mattresses and hit, deal with them because recycling centers have trouble with that and we don't want them to end up in the landfill. One of the big areas that we're pretty excited about where we could have a bigger environmental impact related to this reuse corridor is in refrigerant recycling. So this is ranked really high in terms of you know, mitigating greenhouse gas emissions. If we could figure out how to get refrigerators and other you know, air conditioning units out of ditches and into the right hands and recycled, we could have a really, really major impact. Okay. The best well, Bryn, would be if we could pay people to bring those. Mm -hmm. Well, Bryn, the, the, the project goes on and on and on, and we're going to have to cut you off right there. We want to thank does. you. Um, we've been speaking <laughs> with Bryn okay. uh, Sowash, the National Service Program Planner at Rural Action, uh, fixing the world for us. Um, you have been listening to When the Biomass 
He <laughs> said a loss for turbine. words never happens. I'm going. We want to thank you, and we want to thank our Emmy Award-winning producer Adam Rich. And um, and as your grandmother hopefully told you, the secret to a happy and sustainable life is play nice with others, zero waste, clean up your own mess, and eat your veggies, Jay. Until next time. Bye bye. You can find more information on living sustainably in our unsustainable world at blueRockStation.com. Yeah.